Hey, what's going on? This is the Educated Guest Podcast. I'm Justin, your host. This week we have Javier Vendrell. Javier is acting director of Rural Studio at Auburn University. This was very special for me because growing up, I think those who read High Stavati, those who read High Beast, those who have a genuine love for design in in every discipline, you always had a passion and underlying desire to want to build while you're learning. And that's exactly what Rural Studio is focused on. It's developing an experience-based learning method. Today, we're talking to Javier Vendrell, and it's a beautiful conversation, not only about the work with Rural Studio. I want to continuously highlight, we're probably going to hear from more people who are involved with the studio and involved with the architecture program there because i always like to highlight those who are doing great work in this space those who are really like pushing a new form of learning for that's what we're all about right here so today we're talking about javier's story talking to him about how he actually found his path from barcelona tune in i talk about creation and one of the things is uh, movies so a movie uh, can kind of start a project, architectural project. Yeah. And, uh, I, I have some projects that have things that not copied but taken from, from, from movies. Now, I remember one, I did a school a long time ago, and when I was in the school, we thought about, I say we because there were, were, were. <laughs> yeah. the work of architecture is a single person, kind of a genius, like whatever, flying or right, uh, doing drawings is a working team. And I was talking, I said, well, I remember the movie Love and Hate uh, when uh, Robert Mitchum is trying to do something with these kids and the kids are inside the room, projection of the shade of Robert Mitchum and his figure. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, uh, no, the, what gave the scale of uh, the kids versus uh, the windows and the doors. Right. Because, uh, obviously, so that school that I designed, there is no window. There is no doors. Obviously, there is windows and there is doors, but uh, are different than the normal traditional doors and windows. You know, that's so So, interesting because I find that, and the reason why I start with this question is that people are informing their work by what they consume on a regular basis. So I've, it's never been a case where someone has answered the question in the episodes that I've done where to some extent, of how much content they consume and what type of content informs what they actually produce. And it shows a lot about my interest in your work and my interest in your story too, just to know that there is a bit of more of an academic approach to gleaning specific things from what you kind of intake. And that's a beautiful thing, I think, for, for the younger listeners who are paying attention right now, because it seems like the things you do and consume at age 16, 21, 25, 35, whatever the case is, it's going to inform your work down the road because, you know, you're going to continue to draw from that experience. Is that, it sounds like that's kind of what, what you've been doing. Yeah. Uh, so I always say that our brain has a CD uh, memory, no? <laughs> a hard drive. Mm-hmm. So you watch a movie and there's something that sticks over there and you go to a museum or an exhibition and you put it in in the thing and then these things are there and then sometimes in a conscious way or sometimes in conscience you you, you use it no? mm-hmm. you is part of your no? part of your whatever intellectual library or, or something no? 
and 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 sometimes you may, maybe it's not there you invent it but you think that's there <laughs> but uh yeah that's how i think uh we i always say i'm walking around i observe and look at things I mean, nowadays because we have these cell phones that are cameras and are everything oh that's really cool uh, i don't know why but it's cool I mean, <laughs> right because you think oh but that i can use that later on mm-hmm. for for a, for a project so I want to talk more about your background too, because you're you're a man who's been all over the world, and uh, it's so interesting. I mean, when you were telling me when we first talked, I was like, "Damn, this is going to be a perfect, perfect segue into learning and just really figuring out how do you gather from all these different experiences." So, tell if you don't mind, just share a little bit more about your path to. I mean, right now you're on the road to Chicago, so you're traveling all the time, even today. So what what is that what is that like to draw from so many different experiences? Well, I was born in Barcelona, I grew up in Barcelona. Special city for a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I was uh, growing up during the dictatorship, something that uh, I don't recommend to anyone. Mm. So I grew up in things where even a lot of things were forbidden certain movies and certain things. We needed to go to friends yeah. <laughs> to see certain movies or, or to buy some books. Probably when you have things forbidden, you are more curious about trying to discover why and, 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 you, know, and you, want to, you want to learn. No? And, and so then some of the important, well, one of the most important architects uh, from Spain, from Barcelona, uh, was a guy. Uh, so I say, why this guy that's an amazing architect <laughs> cannot even be? Then uh, when I was uh, kind of in the process of design, deciding what I wanted to do in college, or, uh, in Spain there is not this kind of thing like here of uh, uh, undergraduate and college and then a master. So if you want to be a doctor, you go to the school of medicine. If you want right. to be an architect, you go to the school of uh, architecture and so on. And uh, I, before going to university uh, in Spain, uh, it's mandatory to do till high school, which I think you are 16. Mm-hmm. And then if you want to go to university, there is another year more that's not called high school. It has been changing the name, but it's kind of a preparation for the university mm. where you can uh, do your package of uh, of classes. Not that uh, you do the same. There is kind of two branches, or at the time was kind of two branches, one of kind of uh, science and then of kind of uh, humanistics. Uh, if you do science, you have three or four classes that are mandatory, like mathematics and physics, and I don't remember what else. Mm. Uh, but then the rest of the package is yours. So you can do, and I remember, I was not sure what I wanted to study. I wanted to uh, I was thinking in architecture, but I was more interested in sociology. Yeah. Uh, so I took classes of history, economics, sociology. At the same time, I took uh, uh, physics and I don't know. And I think even I called, my father was a chemist and I took chemistry because always I liked it. So, uh, so that was kind of my package. On, Sorry. On, no, no, no. On that point, on that point, I I wanted to hear your perspective about the design impact of Barcelona as the city. Uh, I had a chance to to visit in 2014 and 
it's just one of the most amazing cities I've ever been to. So it's you got Sagrada Familia, and then you have every, the beach, the shoreline. You have the mountains right behind it, and then you have the way that the city's situated yeah. in that. Like, what is you know to someone that has no idea about the impact of the the urban planning and the way the buildings are made, designed, the living style. How does that impact? You know, you mentioned you're in, you're studying in uh, sociology. How does that impact the rest of the world in terms of design? Well, uh, that's kind of a complex question. Lucky I was part of this transformation of Barcelona as a designer, as an architect. Uh, Barcelona is a very special place for a lot of reasons, historical political reasons. Mm -hmm. The city was founded by the Phoenicians and the Romans. And so there is a Gothic quarter, the the old city, uh, and so on. And and that's part of the history of... uh, you have heard recently this thing of the independence of Catalonia and all these things. Uh, Barcelona, mm, in the 1700s, uh, the Catalans were supporting a uh, 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 different mm, king uh, against the Bourbons, and so Barcelona or Catalans lost the lost the war, and then Barcelona Barcelona was transformed in a kind of a military place. And uh, it was forbidden to build outside the, the city walls. So Barcelona grew up very, very dense in what's the old quarter. Mm. And all what right now is the extension of the grid was forbidden to build. And that was for military reasons. So that so at the, with the guns and things that they used in at that time, that was free. So no, it was a way to control. So in the 1800s, uh, 1850, like all the European cities, uh, this uh, clear example is uh, Vienna, where they all the cities demolished uh, the city walls because at that time it has no sense. And there is, uh, there is uh, all kinds <laughs> of guns, right? So uh, and then all ex- make this kind of extension. So that was a, a very clear uh, moment. And Catalonia, in a way, of Barcelona, even during the Franco, was kind of the avant-garde. Is a is a port city means that a lot of the ideas and things also arise through the mm-hmm. through the port. Port cities are always very very special, and obviously later on, uh, I was kind of lucky in a way. In the moment I was studying architecture, that was to, during the dictatorship, uh, and most of the amazing architects in Spain or in Barcelona, the same happened, I imagine, in Madrid, uh, where professors uh, at the School of Architecture, because in order to have good work, you needed to be architect of the regime, mm. and uh, the, most of the interesting architects were not from the regime. <laughs> uh, so we were get a very good education, and then we were ready to, to start when, uh, when the democracy arrived. And they gave, uh, because that, that's, that's a very important thing, in, in, at least in my generation, the first generations of of politics were uh, politics that were intellectuals. They were all mm. professors at the university and so on. That they were uh, militants of the underground parties. And uh, in the moment of democracy, right? Well, okay, elections. And now you are the mayor of Barcelona, or you are whatever. Right. They were people that what very, very open-minded and gave opportunity to young people. So, uh, 
uh, if I was 30 something, uh, when I won a competition for the what the Barcelona Olympic Park and all the connection uh, of the Olympic Village with the with the sea. So wow. if you go to Barcelona in 1988, uh, you don't see the sea. You only see the port that was completely dirty. So if now you have walk in all the maritime front with the beach and all these things. Uh, that's something that happened for the Olympics. Uh, it's not that happened for the Olympics, or it's kind of a complex story, but uh, the Barcelona was the first city in the world that uh, thought about the issues that the city needed to solve and then look for excuse to get money and help, and that was the Olympic Games. Yeah. But that means that also uh, during the dictatorship, uh, for example, if you look at the Barcelona architecture, besides figures like Gaudi or some significant architects, what has been very important in the, from the beginning of the 80s and was a, an example for overall is the design of public space. Mm. Yeah, that's and, one thing I noticed. I think, yeah, and that, that has been very important how the city was transformed through mm, designing public space. And obviously, that's kind of a longer story in terms. And that happened to a lot of cities, a lot of immigration going from the rural to the cities. Right. The cities grow very quickly, uh, more run by developers than for planners and, and, and for the public interest and so on. So I grow in this kind of uh, place and, and I educate in this moment that you, know, uh, you understand you know, how important is public space, how important is design to change the life of the people and all these kind of things. So my, my work all is public, mostly. I have done some private uh, uh, houses and things, but mm. most of my work, my work is is public in the same way that always I taught in universities that have been public. I think that yeah. uh, public education, public things are very important. So I, I love that. I love that message behind the work, too. It's interesting that... Um, you, that stu- that studying of sociology kind of took you, you know. It, I think it comes with a certain level of interest in humanity as a whole, right? Because I think on one of my yeah, or, yeah. one of my earlier episodes, I was having a conversation with with folks about all artists are true, you know, almost you know human. How do we want to put this? Everyone is extremely interested in the human experience and in improving it in some degree while leaving their mark on how they think it should be. And I think the design of public space in particular is one way of doing that. And I love that that it kind of sets the context for um, the next part of the show, even uh, where we're talking more about this method of learning in 2018. I mean, you're professor of rural studio, you're all over the country and the world doing speeches. And I wanted to hear your perspective on the simple question of should you go back to, to grad school or should you not? as it pertains to art school or design school? Well, uh, I think so, in general. Uh, We always recommend uh, our students, uh, and I was for a few years in Chicago as the director of the graduate studies. Uh, I always was recommending to the students that, uh, in general, they need to take some time between... uh, undergrad and graduate school uh, to really uh, target what they want. So in, in 
So in, in undergraduate, uh, general education of a case of architecture in our undergrad programs, you get, uh, but there is a different perspectives and different ways to to work in the field of architecture, for example, and, in, and, and the same with the art, because let's say art, architecture, let's say, is an art. Uh, and also, you can go to schools that are more uh, professional uh, focus versus a school that are more theoretical. So uh, I think that uh, life is very complex, and uh, but you need to target something, and then whatever happens, you will be relatively close to there. Uh, but the deviation will be because you have choice this deviation. No? So. Mm. Uh, uh, yeah. So, and for dem for the uh, devil's advocate, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. I think the the devil's the devil's advocate side of that right is okay. Well, student loans are about to put me here, and there is now Coursera, Harvard, GSD publishing one of their architecture courses online. There's Udemy. There, and again, this is not my particular opinion. This is just you know the other side of the coin. You know, mm -hmm. for the guy or gal who's 22 years old already in undergrad debt and they're like dude i can't can't freaking take on another 50 to 80 grand even you know including some stipends or whatever the case i might get but that's that's a frustrating point i think for most 20 somethings early 20s if you have this huge interest in design but you're like feel like you're beating your beating your head up against a wall just trying to get the skills you want what do you think yeah, no, no, that that's that's true. So, uh, and we know that at the rural studio, for example, because uh, the part of the uh, the time that the students are building is after the graduation. So, it means they are not the students anymore. They can go home or can go to get a job and stay pay, paying the student loans. No, mm -hmm. but uh, uh, a lot of students understand that that's an investment. Because if uh, if it's, yeah I need to pay the student loans it doesn't matter I get job probably you will get a crappy job which is not the job that you that you want right or uh, but if you invest in, in in that case in the rural studio time uh, at the end you almost can pick the job no? so uh, yeah well that's one. Yeah, obviously I came from a culture that's very different because when I told the students, uh, so if you stay, if you are in Barcelona, yeah, uh, uh, my nephew is, a, is studying architecture, and I think uh, pays uh, every academic year, uh, I don't know, seven hundred uh, euros. <laughs> right, it's not even it's not even close. Year. Uh, so yeah, so uh, we we don't have a student loans. So yeah, you. You have kind of a, a freedom of uh, of trying to survive and picking the job that you want, and maybe it's less best pay, but mm -hmm. it's the architect that uh, that you want to work. Right, the kind of architecture that they do that you want to work. So my wife is an architect, and she uh, studied undergrad. Computer science, mm -hmm. a lot of years ago, which now probably is completely useless because they <laughs> And then he did, she did a master in architecture. Right. 
And the other day we were talking, say, well, I'm still paying $600 a month uh, for my graduate education. Yeah. She went to a public, uh, a private university. Mm-hmm. And, and for a while we said, well, sometimes you go to a school because of the name and you think that that will give you more possibilities of work. And maybe in another profession, I imagine that if you are a lawyer from Harvard, you have more chances to get certain jobs. But if you are an architect, it doesn't matter where you study. What it matters is your portfolio and what you have done. Mm-hmm. And she was saying, well, if I knew I was going to go to maybe USC in Chicago, that half of the price uh, of, uh, of the school that she went. Yeah. And that's that's super interesting to hear because I find that, I mean, I've, I've only got a couple more questions left, but I find that that's the main argument right now uh, outside of student loans is that, you know, if my work is up to par, I think more people that I ask and I talk to, even the audience of this show in particular that I have a chance to reach out to and interact with, the main argument is, hey, if my work is good, how do I just get my work good? Because I know that if my work is good enough, I can get my foot in that door. Um, so with that, with that said, you know, what are the, you know, even though formal education is great, and I think there's definitely, definitely still a need for that camaraderie while going through the process of learning. What resources do you think are available to anyone right now? You know, not you know, free of charge or super low charge that you like the best. So when you look on the internet and you're like, these are the best resources. I wish I would have had this when I was coming up because I would be head and shoulders above the next guy. You know, what are what are those couple of well, spots? I think the internet for young people offers two things that we didn't have, but there is some issues too. So obviously, right now you have all the information, all the resources uh, that you that you even can imagine. Okay? Right. Uh, but obviously, you need to have a certain degree of criticism. Uh, of knowledge because not what the internet says is right or true. You know? So mm. I remember when I was a student, I was using libraries. The students nowadays they don't use much the libraries. Right. But the the library the library has advantage. There is a book published there. It's a book that has goes to a source of. Uh, reviews and so on and then finally also there is a committee or whatever that picked the book for the library mm. so it means that uh, that's a good probably is a good source uh, but in the contrary right now the, the, the facility of uh, you know a lot of things right now that 20 or 50 years ago you cannot know the existence because was not available in, maybe in libraries or bookshops or something right so I think that's a great resource uh, if you know how to use it well. In the other hand, I think that uh, uh, also for all the young people has uh, 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 not what they just blocks and things that they explain what they do. So I'm sure that that's uh, an, uh, an opportunity to for a lot of people to uh, to see. Oh, this guy is doing something really interesting. Uh, let me contact this guy. It's very easy now to contact people. So I think that's another another possibility that uh, young people have, and they know how to use it. You know? So I look at a lot of web pages and things and say, well, oh, that, I wish to know this guy because he's doing something really interesting you know? and something that catch my 
my eyes. And so right now it's, uh, it's easy. But I think you need to to be critical too and have enough knowledge uh, to to use it in, in the right way. Absolutely. And I find that it's that narrowing of resources that's the key. I think people are looking for more curation right now than ever before. And you can look at it one of two ways. You can look at it as, uh, well, <clears throat> there's not going to be anything that's going to be a new perspective because if you curate your personal learning path through one lens, you might be missing out on something that can inform your work so much more than you thought it would. And I, that's why I love this conversation with you. And that's why I reached out in the first place, because I find that those who have experience in both academia and in the workplace can offer that unique perspective of, hey, like, cool, you've got a 500 page book in front of you. But, you know, honestly, there's only about 20 pages in there that I frequently use. And the rest you can read for infor- for information, but I would recommend going on to the next book. And that's, that's yeah. I think, what the younger generation is looking for right now. And the uh, we're wrapping up in just a second, but I wanted to hear your quick opinion on knowing enough. So there's this constant idea right now, especially since times have been good economically for like eight to 10 years at this point, you know, People were like, hey, well, I'll just start my own thing. I'll just do my own thing and I'll just freelance. I'll just do this. I'll do that. You know, how much, at what point do you know if you know enough? And when you decide to make that leap without really having years and years of experience, you know, how do you keep the tools sharp? Because I think it's easy as an entrepreneur to get kind of in this place where you've got a couple skills and you just kind of go deep down that hole instead of, you know, broadening your skill set. So, Again, a lot there, but how do you stay sharp with your knowledge? Well, well, one is uh, keep uh, one is doing things obviously because uh, at least in I imagine the field of art is similar, but in the field of architecture, if you don't uh, no, keep doing things, every project is a new thing. Right? So you have a, a knowledge of uh, architecture, but no, you now you want to want. Use a material, you discover a new material that never you use. You need to explore, uh, study, it, uh, ask questions, and no, every project is a new learning uh, adventure. If you see, if you will, uh, that for me is one of the things that uh, teaching. Uh, I teach because I learn teaching. So uh, and and, you, and I learn from the students too because the just sometimes even because of the questions uh, that they ask. But uh, yeah. I think that uh, the, the most important thing is uh, not to know that you know enough; it's just to know what that you don't know. You know? So that keeps mm. you always kind of uh, trying to find new things. You know? I, I sometimes I feel that young and. Um, Obviously, I don't remember that I was like this when I was young, <laughs> but I was having uh, more respect and consideration for, for example, my professor. So I was, mm. uh, I, uh, I never doubt that when a professor said me something uh, uh, was not true. No? Yeah. And I think right now, there is, young people is much more sure of what they are doing. And I say always, look, 
I have, uh, I don't know, 30 something years of uh, experience, probably more, <laughs> uh, uh, of being in the field of architecture, working in office, uh, doing my own job, uh, uh, teaching. Yeah. And I'm, and even I'm not sure about something. Because something when when we are doing design, no, and sometimes I feel that they say, "No, I will do that like this." Are you sure that that's the right thing? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because A, B, and C. Have you tried another thing? No, no, no. I don't need to try. That that that. Well, uh, I'm not sure about that. Yeah. Uh, In my in my project ever, and obviously we have the lines, and (laughs) but uh, I think that doubt provides the opportunity to make the everything in life uh, better no? mm. um, at least to 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 think for five more minutes at least or whatever uh, uh, about another possibility although maybe then you come back to the original one but at least you are more sure that that's a good way to go no absolutely uh, especially in, in, in fields that are not scientific no? so in other fields things are things and facts are facts <laughs> <laughs> in our field, no. Uh, uh, how how I do that? Or better rectangular or square? Or well, I don't know. Try it, experiment, right. test it, uh, think about, ask some opinions to other people, and then uh, and then don't be sure. Do it, but uh, still have some doubts because uh, I, that's the way to to push the thing. I love that, man. I love that as as the second to last answer. And I, the the thing that sticks with me is do it, but still have some doubts. And I think that is yeah. that it gives you the optimism, right? Of that the next generation or even the current generation isn't you know doomed as some people might say. I think the beauty of this generation, amidst all the we- weird stuff going on with social media and you know just general content, content like the way you consume content's weird right now, but the best thing about this generation is that people have more doubt because they have more information and people aren't accepting average too much. They're not accepting average mm-hmm. in the classroom. They're not accepting average from TV, any of that stuff. So I think that's the beauty. Sounds like that's what you're in agreement with. And and I think it's a perfect segue into the last question. I always ask everyone this question at the end is, you know, what would you say to the 17-year-old version of yourself? <laughs> Uh, well, I will say, uh, one, is, uh, obviously it's a difficult answer to answer to yourself, what I want to be, you know, what I want to do, uh, but, uh, but target something because it's not, uh, it's very difficult. So I, I, in my case, uh, well, I was not sure what I wanted to do. Finally, I decided to do uh, architecture, which even I didn't know what the hell it, it was. Uh, when you study architecture, and then uh, you arrive to the school and you discover what what architecture is. You know? If you don't like it, uh, then you can change it. Mm. Uh, I think that uh, there is not there is not a right or wrong uh, thing to do. Is uh, is what you enjoy doing, you know? uh, because uh, and you need to like it. And all the fields are tough, and you want to do it right, but you need to try it. Right. I think I want to be 
an architect. I want to be an architect. What, what to be an architect? <laughs> I don't know. Even a, 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 a even a young person imagine what an artist, but is, they don't know what an artist. Mm. How you do a piece of art? How you do a painting? Or how you get the ideas? Right? All all these kind of things. No, and there is a lot of different kinds of uh, artists. No? And I I love so, that. I love that. It's a. I think that's a perfect cap to the show because it just it basically says it gives you the freedom to explore as a young person, and I think that's what people are most worried about. If you're ambitious to any degree, like you're worried about, all right, I got one shot at this thing. I gotta, I gotta get it right. And if I'm not in the lane I want to be in, then I'm gonna be looking up twenty years down the road and be like, oh shit, I should have gone over there. I should have gone over there. That person looks like they're having more fun. I picked the wrong thing, and it. I think your answer, it, it gives people that ease to say, it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. If you don't choose exactly what it is, you're, you're where you are supposed to be. And that seems like the theme there. Yeah, there is, there is no perfect uh, path. No? You will do your own path at the end. But where you want to go and some luck and some circumstances and no. Uh, you met some people, you read a book, or you do something by accident, and, and wow, that completely changed your your path. Sometimes. Here, wrap for this week. If you can't already tell, Javier knows what he's talking about. If you just simply do a Google search on his name alone, you'll notice he's giving talks all over the world, and that's why we're so lucky to just have him give you know 45, 50 minutes to have this di- dialogue, right? And it's not interview whoever we want just for the sake we're really curating an experience here of people who have a vast amount of experience knowledge and practical advice to give so this is just the beginning of a larger conversation about learning methods and that's something we really want to push here as we're building the podcast we have instagram like i mentioned we have a blog on the way we have several other forms of content where you can interact with our message our brand and understand what we're really trying to do here we're pushing the conversation forward about what art education should look like and this is just the start 